I knew that I wanted a partner um, and I knew that I was optimistic and that I could make this project fun. But what I was surprised at was halfway through, I was, I felt like I had, I had gone over to, to, from the side of dating to find a partner to, I'm just dating and this is my life. And it became my life in an enjoyable way. I, I felt like I was in kind of a groove, like this is how I live. I'm with my friends and I date and I go to parties and I go to uh, retreats and it's a full life. And I had that and I, I really loved having that feeling that that was one of the happiest times in this whole project when I realized I was actually perfectly happy being single, that dating was fun and that it could go on and on and I was fine with that. This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between, here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Hi there. Do you remember the movie Fifty First Dates? It came out in 2004 and stars Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. In that movie, the reason that Drew's character went out on so many first dates is because she had an amnesia-like condition that caused her to forget what happened to her the day before. Now, Carolyn, who is my guest this episode, doesn't have a health issue of that sort. She created her own Fifty First Date project for very different reasons. It was after she'd broken up with a long-term boyfriend that she realized that she wanted to spend more time with men of all different types to help her figure out what she was looking for in a partner and hopefully ultimately meet the man who would be that person in her life. So she embarked on this journey and I had a great time talking to her about some of her more memorable dates and what lessons and big ahas she took away from the experience. Here are some of Carolyn's first date stories. Welcome, Carolyn. Thanks for coming on the podcast this episode. Well, thank you, Jody. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. It is terrific to have you here. And I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have because this one is going to be unlike any other podcast episode that I have recorded to date. You've come on the podcast to do something that a guest has never done before. Now, most guests come on and we delve into one date. I've had a few guests come on and talk about two dates, but you, Carolyn, you're going to be the first guest to take us through and talk about more than two dates because you went on 50 first dates. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I did. That is <laughs> impressive. And I'm, I'm just happy to be here to, to, to share what I learned from them. I mean, you, you help so many women on their first dates, and um, I'm so impressed with that, and I hope I can just contribute because I learned a lot from my 50. Well, that is really sweet of you, and I know you're going to contribute. You are already doing so in many ways, but we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Now, the idea of going on 50 first dates might excite some of our listeners, 
but it also might recoil others, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of first dates to go mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you decide to go on 50 first dates and how did you go about it? Well, uh, there were a couple of reasons. Um, one is I was in, coincidentally, I was in my late 50s and I'd broken up with a man that I, um, we had different life goals. We had to break up, but we still loved each other. And I was afraid I was going to look for someone just like him because I like that type. And I, so I realized I needed to expand my type of man that I was looking for. I really wanted to find a long-term committed partner. Um, and so, but I also wanted to avoid things that had happened to me when I had dated before, which is sometimes settling for the, a person who's just okay, not really great, um, or getting really hurt by one person and stopping dating and, not, and getting too discouraged, or, um, and, or being too picky about who I wanted and not going out with anybody. So I was trying to avoid all that. And luckily, I'm a researcher. And so I thought, how can I approach this differently? And I thought of, I thought, well, I'm going to have to go out. I should go out with a lot of men in order to figure out what type I would like. And then that movie, First, the 50 First Dates, came to mind. And of course, she went out with 50, um, 50 dates with the same man because she had amnesia. But it gave me an idea that 50 would be a great number to go out with and, and explore different types of men. And the other side of that was, as a researcher, I decided to look at dating more as research, like a research, it was research into what type of man and relationship that I would like. So I felt like I was about to embark on dating types of people, not necessarily individuals. And I was hoping that would all um, make it more interesting to me as a researcher, make it more successful and avoid those things that I had done before when I got discouraged with dating. You come with a really, a truly unique background because most people Mm -hmm. come into dating with a profession, but not a profession that will help them learn about dating and evaluate their experience. Mm -hmm. So given this, what came out of your research project? Share with us what the results were. Well, I was very pleasantly surprised how it worked out because I, I don't think I could have predicted this, but first of all, having a goal provided a lot of positive and optimistic momentum to the dating. I felt like I was going some, towards my partner and it was very, he was far away, but I had a lot of things to do in between and it was, and I could enjoy the journey more than, than just the, um, the destination. And what happened was each date, since I knew I was going to go on 50 and I was committed to doing that, although of course I, I realized if I found my guy right before if, and I was sure I, I would stop, but, but I was mainly going for 50. Each date didn't have as much weight. I didn't, it didn't matter as much if each date worked out or not with if, if I liked him or he liked me. I could just, um, I could be more objective. I could be more curious. Like, how was I with him? How was he with me? How, did we, how were we both? Will this, will this work? Should I go on a second date? And it was just lighter. And I so I really enjoyed myself. I could enjoy myself with, with the men and I could enjoy the men more. I, I, had, I had more fun with them. Um, I also, I could, if I got rejected, which I did actually a lot, um, I could move on easily. In fact, I went through this entire project um, feeling like it was a fun project. And then when I looked back, I realized I'd actually been rejected a lot and I hadn't even noticed it hardly because I kept that momentum going. Um, So it worked to have that goal for me. 
Also, because I was trying to cast my net widely for different types of men, each man I went out didn't have to be a potential partner. They just had to be someone I liked who I wanted to explore, like, hmm, a businessman, or hmm, an artist, or a musician, or someone who um, likes the beach, or someone who, does, who hike, a hiker. Um, I, I was looking for different types. And so I, I also didn't have a list. I didn't start out with a list of things I wanted. Um, I was doing the type of research that would be called exploratory. I was open to what I found. I was just, I was taking in a lot of data um, about different types of men and seeing what I liked and what I didn't. And I was slowly developing a list, but way farther along the line, not in the beginning. That's just some of the benefits that I got. <laughs> it's a more. lot of benefits. You yeah. got a lot of benefits. <laughs> You had the healthiest perspective going into this project. Mm. I love that you looked at the big picture and, Carolyn, that you always believed that he was out there. How is it that you always believed that he was out there? Where did that belief come from? I think I just had faith in this project. You know, the other thing about 50, um, as I'm a statistician, and the, the number 50 actually is what you need in a sample size to get significant results. So I kind of trusted that, 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 would, that 50 would be enough to bring me at least a conclusion of what type of person I wanted. I just thought that that would work. But I also, I wasn't counting on it. I, I mean, if I had gotten to 50 and hadn't found somebody, I was gonna do it again because I was enjoying myself so much. I guess an answer to your question is, I do have a naturally optimistic nature from my parents. And so I, that's where I go. And that's probably kept me going a lot too. Your optimism combined with your statistician <laughs> know-how gave you the impetus, the drive, and the belief that this project was uh, one that made sense, that you could execute on, that you could enjoy, that you could um, continue on, and that would result in you finding your person. Mm -hmm. And it did. And it, it did. did. It did. <laughs> and it did. Wow. I, just wanted, I wanted to make that point. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I actually found him before I got to 50. So I was pleased. It worked. So you found him. And we are going to get to that because I want to hear about that. But first, let's talk about the big picture. Let's talk about this project. And mm -hmm. we don't have time to delve into all 50 dates because... <laughs> Um, that's a big number. But mm -hmm. the good news is that you have a new memoir that's just been published, mm -hmm. and it's titled 50 First Dates After 50. Right. And so the reader who reads this book accompanies you through this entire odyssey, and I know this because I've read your book, and so I was able to accompany you through this odyssey, and it was a really fascinating, inspiring, and, and really interesting one. So, <laughs> Great. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> absolutely. So um, instead, let's highlight, let's say, three of your most memorable dates. Okay. So can you take us through, let's say, the first one um, and help us understand what about it made it significant? Yeah, there, there's several of these dates. Um, and by the way, I just want to say in the book, I only highlight really around 20 of the dates. I, I take people through those 20 and just mention the other 50 so they don't have to actually slog through all 50 of the dates. Um, but these are the ones that really stood out. Um, and this, this one I'm going to talk about was about in the midway of the project. Um, it was an online date. I had met him on Match.com. 
and um, and I didn't get many answers to my match.com because I was very specific about what I wanted. So this guy matched me pretty well. And we had friends in common. So for our first date, he asked me to, if I wanted to have dinner at his house and I accepted. And then I had second thoughts. I thought, still, I don't, I don't know this guy very well. And mainly, I don't know if I want to invest a whole evening at somebody's house, actually an hour from my house, until I know them a little better. So I suggested that we have a pre-date and we lived an hour apart. So I thought of a place that we could go halfway between our houses. It was a marina and it would be a nice place for a walking date. And the reason I like this date is this is an example of me taking care of myself. You know, dating is a long-term project and you have to really take care of your own heart. And I didn't want my heart to be off in some guy's house and, and find out maybe we didn't like each other or he didn't like me. I was really taking care of myself by insisting on a pre-date. And he agreed to it. He even it was very cute. He said, well, I hope I passed the test. So it was very cute. <laughs> so we, we had the walk and it was a very sweet walk. And I wasn't as attracted to him as I thought I would be, but um, I liked him. And he we had a great conversation and I was willing to take a chance on a second date. And so I was looking forward to it. The next day before the date, the date was a couple days later, he called me at my house and said, can I tell you something? And I was about to have some friends over for the evening. And he knew that. He said, I want to tell you something before your friends come. And he said, I, I don't think I can have a date with you. I don't think we're a match. And I was so disappointed because that predate was for me <laughs> to mm -hmm. tell, to find out about whether he was okay for me and whether I felt comfortable with him. It wasn't for him to reject me. I was so <laughs> shocked and hurt. And my heart was hurt because my heart had started opening up to him a little. And so here's what I did that is one of the things I did that one of the best things I did that was self-care is um, I, I had a little dialogue with my heart. I just turned to my heart and said, how, she said, really, how did this happen? You know, we, and I said, I know we were supposed to have a pre-date. It was supposed to be for us. And, and we, I just had this conversation that was reassuring my heart and telling her that I loved her and how proud I was that she kept an open heart to, to people and that I was trying to protect her by having a pre-date. And, and she said she appreciated me doing that. And it was just very healing between us to get in, get in sync with my heart and let her know I was really trying to protect her and I was hurt, sad too. And, that, and, she, and I felt her feeling protected by me and cared for by me. So that it was just a good example of, I was trying to take care of us. It didn't work out well, the way I thought, but I salvaged it by, take, by talking to my heart. Dating is a series of being rejected or rejecting someone at mm -hmm. some point until mm -hmm. you get to that person. This technique that you used is one that uh, we all could, I guess, benefit from um, because we all need to protect our hearts along the way. How do you actually go about that? Do you are you are you having that interaction with your heart through meditation, or in another way? Well, I was preparing dinner for my friends, um, and and so I was just talking out loud to my heart. I was I, I just said out loud, I, I I'm so sorry. I, I mean, I I actually my friends were about to come, so I thought I would they would hug me and comfort me, 
But then my heart kind of cried out. So I thought, I thought that we were protected. And so I just started talking to her out loud. And I heard her talking to me. It's more of an internal dialogue, but that I, say, I think I say stuff out loud to her. Right, right. Yeah. Now, this experience, which caught you completely by surprise, because as you said, you were the one who was doing the deciding there, not yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> he turned the tables on you, but yeah. I mean, it all worked out uh, for you. And, and like, how did that strengthen and improve your journey uh, throughout the dates to come? Because, as you said earlier, you looked back and you realized you were um, rejected. I say that, you know, mm -hmm. more than you were the one doing the rejecting. Did, mm -hmm. that, did that strengthen your resolve and your heart for the um, dates to come? Um, well, you know, you know as well as I that in order to date, you have to have some resilience for things like this. And so I think it, what it did is it comforted me that I had a way to be resilient that I had a way to take care of my heart. I felt comforted that I, I could um, comfort myself. Um, I could ask for help from my friends who were about to arrive to comfort me. And I got over it pretty fast. And seeing that made me want to go on. I mean, and, and also, we have, when we date, we have to respect what the other person wants too. He said I wasn't a match for him. Well, I can't argue with that. I have to respect that. And so I wouldn't have wanted him as a match. So, so he saved us both some time. He did you a favor. Right, right. Y your time is precious. <laughs> right. You right. didn't need to spend that evening with him. Right. Um, because it wouldn't exactly. have ended up getting you to the results that you were after. Mm -hmm. So, and my observation and from all my years of dating and the thing that so many people find so challenging is that you can't take this personally when someone right. you don't know or you've just had a walk with comes back to you and says I don't think we're a match we we can't really take that personally deep down for a long time because that person is just getting an initial sense of us and really doesn't know us and do you agree right. yes oh definitely 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 not taking things personally is a huge um, is a huge perspective that you have to take when dating. It, it can't, it, it can't be. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about them. Right. And yet it feels so much about you. I know. <laughs> yes, it yes. is related. It is related, but I just kept coming back to, well, if he thought we weren't a match, and I didn't, I wasn't sure we were a match. I was just willing to give it another try, but it's good that somebody was clear, <laughs> I guess, especially since I wanted to move on. I was going to move on. Exactly. And it was fortunate that you had these friends coming over mm -hmm. uh, and it's that, for night. that mm -hmm. night. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. another thing here, I, another element here is to have a, a support system, whether it's one person or a group of people. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. That's one of the things I noticed about my project. I kind of had a support system. It's a long-term project, whether you're going on 50 or 10 dates it's long, or, or going until you find your person. It's long-term and you have to build in support, whether that's some a core group of friends or a group or a therapist or a therapy group or a personal relationship workshop group, which is what I had. Uh, they, every, everything helps. Everything helps. All right. Well, 
Let's now move into the second date Mm -hmm. that was memorable from your 51st date journey. Please share with us what happened on this second date. I hope you're enjoying hearing Carolyn talk about her 51st date project and so much of what she learned from it. Before we delve into her next, what I'll call standout first date, and she discloses the details around how the project ended, I want to remind you that you can now enjoy first date stories beyond this podcast. My new book, First Date Stories, Women's Romantic and Ridiculous Midlife Adventures, was published this fall. It's a compilation of 11 short stories, all of them true, and none of them have been heard on this podcast before. The collection includes some hilarious, some hopeful, and some horrendous accounts of dates that women in midlife have gone out on. After each tale, you'll find out what happened between the two people following the date. I've also included a few dating takeaway tips after each tale, and there are some funny and some inspiring quotes from renowned women throughout the book that draw on the spirit and the theme of each story. As Britton Co. recently noted about the book, readers are reminded that being single can and should be something to celebrate. They are also reminded that everyone must embark on a first date in order to find their perfect match. So get yourself a copy from your local bookstore, Amazon, bookshop.org, Apple Books, or wherever you like to get your books. And since we're now officially in the holiday season, why not get a copy for a friend or family member too? Thanks so much. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Carolyn about her epic 51st date journey. Well, this date um, was also around in the middle of my dating project, and I call this the magical date because it was just, the whole aura of it was magical. And it was the result of me casting my, my net wide to be with different types that I might not have been with. I met this guy on a Sierra Club hike, which is which is a type I would like, but he was shorter than me, and I had this prejudice that I only could be with men who were taller than me. But he was so kind and nice and personable that I decided to, to see what it would be like to date him and see if I could overcome my short prejudice. And we went on a few dates, and we had a wonderful time dancing and having dinners, and, and I think this was our fourth date, and he invited me to his house. I trusted him. And he had beautiful music playing. He was an Af- a dan- he, he was a white guy who, dot- who danced African music, African dances. And he had all these you know, masks and objects from Africa in his house and played world music in front of the fire. It was just beautiful and luscious to be there. And then he took me hiking behind his house. And this was February. It was kind of drizzling. I was a little wondering what he was doing. We said, come, please follow me up this path. We went up this path on the hill behind his house and I was really skeptical because I was getting cold and then all of a sudden I saw this little magical hut on the side of the hill and it was a little hut glowing with candlelight and some music was playing out of it, some very ephemeral, angelic music. And it was like really a, a scene out of Lord of the Rings, those tiny little houses on the side of the green hill. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and it felt like that. And we went into the little hut and we looked down. We were way above his house. 
and it was just very cozy. He put, set it up with pillows. We just sat there and actually just looked at each other. We were just gazed. We just felt happy, and he just—it was just very sweet. You know, I would not have had that experience if I was had not cast my net wide and been willing to go out with people I might not like. And in the end, I, I actually could not overcome the short thing. I couldn't do it. <laughs> And, and he didn't feel very good about that, neither did I. But we had some sweet times that I wouldn't have given up for anything. It was just a great thing to experience. So this is an example of a date that enriched you personally because mm-hmm. of the, the goodness that you felt in the spiritual connection of sorts that you experienced mm-hmm. in yeah. that location, in that magical hut. Yeah, he had created magic there. He had created this environment that was just out of this world. And I would never have guessed that about him. I thought he was a hiker. I thought he was, you know, interesting, but a dancer, but I didn't know he'd do this. People have gifts inside them that we can experience um, if we're open to it. And those gifts are part of living and having a full life. And it's this is an experience that I'm so glad I had, even if I didn't see him very many times after that. It was just so precious. He surprised you in a way that you hadn't expected and it helped you learn to think more broadly about people who you meet and what they might be, who they might be, how they might be. Is that essentially Yeah, well, it, it, it definitely confirmed that everybody, not everyone, but most people have something to offer. And even though I could not overcome my prejudice against short men and I and wanted someone tall still. Um, of course, it, I mean, I, I could be friends with people who are different too. So it was, it, it, it reminded me that there are all sorts of people who, you know, who can surprise you. That sounds like it did help enhance your view of people to come and, and opened your mind even further. Let's transition now to talk about a third date that you went on. Okay, well, this is the date. I call it about the date of balance. I was on a date with a very high energy younger man, um, and we and he was accompanying me to a New Year's Eve party, which was in itself very high energy. It was a big house full of people dancing and uh, socializing and being out on the deck and eating and things. And we both knew people there. And so we went in and we were both wearing these very glimmery, shiny outfits. And we were we, we kind of matched in our energy. That's why I liked going out with him, wanted to go out with him. And so we were very well aligned. But we also, since we knew other people there, we each wanted to go say hi to our friends. So we agreed, well, let's go mingle a little bit and then get back together. So we did that throughout the evening. We mingled with other people. We said hello to our friends, hung out with them. And then we got back together and we danced together or we just talked together with other people, and then we went apart again. And what I loved about it is that's the kind of balance I was looking for in a partnership. I'm someone who spends a lot of time alone. Um, I need time alone, and I also like to be with people, and I really want both. And I really saw in that party a model for what I wanted in a partnership, um, and that it should be possible. I really could feel it in my bones. and. Some of my dates were like this, in that I, it was a model for the type of partner I wanted, and I wanted to feel it in my body to experience it, so that and I and I do believe that it's what I um, then was able to recognize and maybe attract in a partner to to have this because 
this type of balance at a party um, um, much later when I found my partner and much later when we were going to parties, we did the same thing. It was exactly that. What I had imagined was possible. That's what we did. You were sort of painting a portrait in a way mm-hmm. um, yeah. of the person and all the characteristics and the interactions that you were looking to meet and be with and this modeling of this coming together and stepping apart in social situations is something that you realized was so important for you. Right, right. And not everyone does that. And not everyone no. likes that. Some people like to cling, cling, cling. And some people like to ignore the whole time. So <laughs> to have that balance was really precious. And what I knew what I wanted, yeah. modeled what I wanted. This modeling of the type of relationship that you wanted ultimately to be a part of ended up leading you to that person. Mm-hmm. Please share some details about how you found this person. Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have noticed him if I had seen him earlier in this project. He actually was part of my um, larger friendship, not friendship group, but acquaintance group in our community. But I hadn't really noticed him. And I just started noticing him towards the end. And he, his, there was something about his energy, um, his brightness, his optimism, his uh, smart. I was at a party once and he made a really, really smart comment. And I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, this is the type, type of person I should be with. Um, and, and I just, it, it kind of all came together um, when I started seeing him, but it was later in the project. And I still, for some reason, was not sure I wanted to take a chance on him. Because then I was pretty serious. Towards the end, I was really wanting to be with people who I was pretty sure were available to be partners and were kind of what I wanted. And I was still not sure about him. But then we decided to go on a date. And the date that we picked was an incredible date. Here, you know, we talk about first dates and you do one thing or the other. Well, we did, we had a day-long date in which we did three things. And each of the things reflected an aspect of ourselves that we've ended up sharing from then on. The first thing we did is we went for a bike ride. We, he, brought, he showed up with his bicycle and we went biking in a beautiful place near my house. Then we had, we, coincidentally, we had a, a friend who had died and it was her memorial service was that day. So we went and were with our friends in this kind of grieving time. We were, we kind of were witness to our friend's grief and our grief and shared that together. And then the third thing was we went, we were planning to go an Oscar party. Another friend had a, the Oscars were that night and we were going to go to a party at, at her house. Um, but in the meantime, we stopped at my house and I was just full of feelings. I was feel, I was still, I was full of feelings about the person who died. She was so much like me. I thought it could have been me. Um, I was still, I had just seen the person I broke up with so long ago, but I was still feeling sad about him. I was scared about how much I was feeling for this person that I was starting to see. And I just started crying and he just held me. Nothing, nothing more, just, just held me and just showed me what a presence he could be with me and how safe it was and how gentle he was. And I just cried and he understood. And then we went off to the Oscar party and just held hands. And that was the date, then he went home. It, and it was such a, it imprinted on us 
that those three things that we still do together. We do some exercise, we do some joyful playing with friends, and then some sort of deep work doesn't always, not a memorial service, but we do our own work. And so it was about a balance of its own type. Most days are not days like the one that you and he experienced together. You really experienced an odyssey of emotions that day. Mm, right, exactly, exactly. And he was able to be by your side through all of it in a way that was very comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and I had expressed emotions with other dates also, but this was just a much wider spectrum. He, he was touching me on so many, so many more levels than anyone else had. And I realized how aligned he was with me and I with him. The behaviors, the, the criteria that you were seeking in your partner, were you, maybe not in the moment, but after that day, just running through them and saying, mm-hmm. check, 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 check? Yes, I was. I was. Um, but I was also a little wary. Um, I was also wary. I, I, by then I was thinking, I, I just wanted to wait and see. I wasn't going to be jumping in and saying, this is it. I, I, even though I kind of felt like it. But I was also very going to say, well, let's see how this works out. I was a wait and see kind of a feeling. Um, he was matching a lot of the things. And that was wonderful. And... Um, and he was, I should be honest, he was matching enough that I didn't want to go on any more dates. But he wasn't your so, 50th, so... No, he was not my 50th, yes. So that's a story, how that... Right. <laughs> that's part of the story. But he's close to your 50th, but he's, <laughs> he was not your 50th right, first date. Right. So you weren't entirely, entirely sure, perhaps, right. we would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this project that you put together, which is really extraordinary, how, how long did it take for you? It was, a, it was two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. I, I thought it would go faster. My goal was, it was seven months. Oh, boy. <laughs> but... Yes. But I hadn't done the math about how many dates that would mean a week. And I, and I had a full-time job. I mean, that was not practical. Right, right. Do you recommend mm-hmm. that other women, the women listening to us right mm-hmm. now, follow your lead and also embark on this 50-date uh, project? Um, well, only if it resonates with them. I would say yes, if, if it sounds like something fun. I mean, the reason it worked for me is because I'm kind of quantitative and I like goals. I'm motivated by goals. And that made it fun for me and made me move forward. But someone else like might like another type of goal, like maybe dating for a certain time, amount of time, like maybe half a year or a year and then take a break or something else might work better. Or um, what I would say, whatever people can do that makes dating enjoyable and not a chore and not scary um, and my book is, I have, it's full of different approaches to dating. And I kind of hope that readers see it as a smorgasbord of ideas and just pick the ones that work for them because it's all about keeping motivated for ourselves. Like for some people, just seeing dating as research might be enough of a fresh approach. 
like just say, oh, that, that might change the, the lens that you see a date from, and that might help. We're, we're also different in what motivates us and what makes us go and keep going. As you know, I mean, dating is a, is a question of persistence. What, is, what can you do that will keep you going? Persistence and resilience. Yes, exactly. And a desire to find love. Yeah, yes. A big motivation. There's the motivation. But then that sometimes gets lost in the, the kind of sometimes dating feels like a slog. And so what can we do to make it feel more fun and interesting? Exactly. I remember as I got further into dating and into midlife dating, for me it became, at least the first dates, an opportunity to learn something new. Mm, mm-hmm. I walked into that restaurant, that cafe, showed up to ride that bike, whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. thinking that I will hopefully come away with a nugget, something new, uh, a fact mm-hmm. that I didn't know, uh, learn about a specialty I knew nothing about, maybe movie recommendations at a minimum, like something, yeah. or a good story at a minimum, <laughs> at a minimum. Yeah. And, and if it exceeded that, <laughs> yes, you know, it's only goodness. Yes, yes. That's the perfect attitude to go in with. That there's something there. There is something there. Well, you <laughs> went to a lot of dates, uh, went on a lot of dates, and you spent time with a lot of different men. So you clearly learned a lot about them. But more importantly, and for you, you learned about yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what most surprised you about what you learned about you? Well, let's see. I knew that I wanted a partner um, and I knew that I was optimistic and that I could make this project fun. But what I was surprised at was halfway through, I was I felt like I had I had gone over to, to from the side of dating to find a partner to I'm just dating and this is my life. And it became my life in an enjoyable way. I, I felt like I was in kind of a groove, like this is how I live. I'm with my friends and I date and I go to parties and I go to uh, retreats and it's a full life. And I had that and I, I really loved having that feeling. That, that was one of the happiest times in this whole project when I realized I was actually perfectly happy being single, that dating was fun and that it could go on and on and I was fine with that. It's a full life. I love that, Carolyn, that you landed there. Mm-hmm. It's a full life. Mm-hmm. That's, that is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. You started this project because you broke up with someone. Mm-hmm. Listeners uh, have been there, mm-hmm. and um, possibly some listeners have just broken up with people. What advice do you have for them? when you look back on you at that moment in time? Well, first of all, I, I do think it is important to grieve if, you're, if you've just broken up with someone and, and lost someone that you dearly love for whatever reason. Um, and however you can do to do that. I, I happened to be a songwriter at the time, so I took some songwriting classes and wrote sad songs about my lover leaving. And it really, oh. and it really helped. <laughs> it helped. And then, That's great. And then when... <laughs> And then suddenly, then after a couple of weeks, I wrote a happy song and I realized, oh, maybe I'm ready to date now. <laughs> and oh. so I, I really feel like there's a grieving. I wanted to acknowledge that there is a grieving project process. Um, the other thing is, if you're going to start dating, 
re remember that it's a long-term project and build in loving support for it, for you. Um, create your life the way you want to live with or without a partner, which for me was surrounding myself with good friends. I had a women's group that I met with regularly. I had a co-ed group that we met for dinner once a month. Um, I was part of a large community of people who had gone through personal growth relationships who gave a lot who were very supportive and gave a lot of, had parties and gave a lot of support to each other. Um, and then I, I did things I love to do, like go hiking and go to spiritual retreat centers. Um, I didn't get isolated. That, that would be the hard thing to just be by yourself and trying to date because then it's easy to get into that situation of feeling discouraged and putting a lot of weight on each date to take you out of your isolation. So I just think that it's part of self-care. I mean, it's just taking care of yourself and doing the things you love in your life so that you're loving yourself. It, it all comes back to loving yourself, really. And what can you can do to do that with or without a partner? It does. It comes down to love of the most important person in your life, which is you. Yeah, yeah. For each of us. And, and I, I know that your book has a lot of that, believes that too, that you need to be starting with loving yourself in a place of fullness and that you have a lot of advice about holding on to that as your date too. We can only show up as our true selves if we are aware of who we are, we are authentic, and that only happens if we take the time to accept and embrace ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is one of the most important steps towards actually finding that yeah. lifelong loving partner. And you don't have to do it alone. I mean, I don't, I'm not someone who says you can sit around and, feel, and love yourself by yourself. I, I have done it in reflection of people who reflect back to me, my best self, and my and, and love of me. That's how I've learned it. By bringing people into your life who become good friends? Yes. Yes, people who are good friends, who are loving friends. Um, yes. I, I mean, I, I learned, I had a, a whole new set of friends when I started going to personal growth workshops, which are all about learning to love yourself and love other people. And so... I was in a whole community of people who were trying to be more loving. And that's exactly, I, I really do recommend that approach. That to, if you feel like you need more loving people in your life, to go to workshops in which they're teaching that. You spoke about not isolating yourself. And yet mm. here we are coming mm. out of a period of time where we were all isolated yeah. and people who um, were living alone were especially isolated mm -hmm. and that has added so many challenges on so many levels thankfully things are getting better in parts of the country increasingly so mm -hmm. um, but we still have that challenge out there we do we do um, I, I could just, and I know that people figured out ways to connect online for dating. I mean, actually, Zoom, Zoom dating. Um, right. There have been people have been create, very creative and taking walks out. A lot of walks outside. The workshops that I was part of were online for the whole pandemic, but recently they've been in person because they've been able to require vaccinations and a lot of testing and made it really safe. So I think things are opening up in different pockets. And yes. so it's possible. I mean, this is a great time to be thinking of starting to date because there are lots of, they're beginning to be more options. Exactly. It's a great time to step up one's dating activity. <laughs> and your book, 50 First Dates After 50, a memoir, is a terrific companion as a, 
any of our listeners, any woman in midlife, anywhere steps forward to, to be out there. Where can listeners get your book? And also, where can listeners and how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, um, the book can be ordered anywhere that books are sold. It's, it's starting with Amazon and every bookstore should be able to order it. Um, my website has links to all the, all the usual options and as well as to independent bookstores, which we really need to support now because they're the ones who support diverse books like we have. Um, so my website is my name, Carolyn, Carolyn with an L-Y-N, LeeArnold.com. And you can just go to the page that says where to buy, where to buy, and there's options for buying the book. Also on my pages are, my, are links to my Facebook author page and my Instagram account and my email to contact me. They're all there. And that's Carolyn Lee, L-E-E. Right, right. Arnold.com. Arnold, yes. Okay. And I have an offer on my website. If you go to my website and sign up for my blog, which is consists of a lot of dating tips and things about being brave and being women in the world right now, um, I will send my detailed dating tips to you. I have the 10 dating tips on my website, but I have the detailed ones as a gift to send if you sign up for my blog. Okay, that sounds fantastic. And we are going to link to all of that in the show notes for this episode. Great. Thank you, Carolyn, for being my guest. Thank Uh, you for taking us through the highlights and some of the lower lights of this odyssey that was your 51st date uh, project. It has been a lot of fun to speak with you. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for the great questions. It was very fun to be here. I really appreciated talking with you about it. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And you can subscribe there or wherever you're listening right now. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And also check out our blog at firstdatestories.com where we celebrate singledom, talk about self-care, explore what might be keeping you from finding the right partner, and dish out some dating tips. And now for a quick run-through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Aid Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests have been changed for privacy purposes. The producer of the podcast is Sarah Singer Schiff, and the show is brought to you by Espoir Ventures. First Aid Stories is here to help you be your best self, cheer you on, and encourage you to keep going on first dates because beyond your next first date could be the lifelong love you're seeking.